As the pressure of playoff soccer isn't enough, there is a ton of drama building in New York. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivan Skolarsep. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. It's bright and early on Monday morning. Uh, and even though you're on the West Coast, you're actually more awake than me for once. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Oh, I got my coffee this morning. That's probably why. Oh, I hate you. I need a coffee. I need coffee so bad. I think I. I think I'm on like three hours of sleep, and I'm. I'm not doing too well. I know. I can't believe how late you stayed up last night. I'm. I'm shocked by this. Yeah, it's pretty standard, actually, as you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's busy. It's a busy week. A busy week. So much going on between MLS and now the national team. The roster's out for the U.S. and we'll be talking about that in a little bit. And you had a busy week, dude. I saw you were like in like ten different cities last week. <laughs> uh, three, yeah, three. We, we did, did three, three uh, games in three days, and uh, uh, the, I saw about three total goals, which was a little disappointing. But uh, the the intensity of playoff of the looming playoff race is uh, is kicking off all over, and it was good to see some uh, a handful of matches up close. Yeah, and I mean, week thirty one provided a lot of drama. It's crazy to think I was that there's only three games left. In the regular season, but one of the games that you did have an opportunity to check out was New York Red Bulls, who pick up a very big win over the Houston Dynamo on re with the goal in this game for New York. And uh, I mean, I just look when you look at the Eastern Conference and see how packed everyone is. Uh, I mean, this is a big victory for uh, for the Red, New York Red Bulls. Oh, absolutely! It's one they needed, and uh, coming off the 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 loss, the ugly loss to, to the Galaxy, uh, they could have very easily, uh, you know. Gone into a tailspin a bit, you know, even though they had just had this great run of form great. I mean, well, great run of results uh, You know, if you go into this three-game homestand and you start off with a loss Things could go south in a hurry, especially given the drama going on The building drama, multiple fronts, multiple stories related to the Red Bulls You got Tim Cahill drama, you got Terry Henry drama You got reported uh, Red Bulls uh, sale drama So, I mean, it never ceases to amaze <laughs> oh, geez, looks like you're having another nuclear meltdown in New York. <laughs> I swear I muted my phone. Uh, it, it's it's uh, apparently the mute, uh, muting of the phone does not affect the alarm. And I'm sure everyone listening right now must think I'm uh, there's a bomb dropping on my on my house. But no, it's only <laughs> my, it's my 10 a.m. alarm. So apologies to everyone. I'm sure I'm sure some folks are, are really, really upset at, at having an alarm go off. Uh, and have been traumatized, so I apologize in advance for that. Um, but back to the whatever we were just talking about. What were we talking about? The drama. Oh. There's, there's New York is great right now. There's just so much drama, which provides so many that, great talking points for us. It, it, you know, and it's the thing. Anyone who's been around the Red Bulls or before that, the Metro Stars, it's, it's, it's par for the course. It's like it's automatic. You know, it's like uh, it's just something that that comes around all the time. I can't think of another team in the league that's had as much drama through the years as as, as the Red Bulls slash Metro Stars. So last year was a bit of an anomaly where things went well. They won the they won the Supporters Shield. They had a great season. Uh, so, you know, things were pretty relatively tame and relatively positive this year. Things have kind of, you know, sputtered along. And now just before the playoffs, all of a sudden, boom, 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 we get hit with all these different, uh, all these different issues. So we're going to have to, t- I think we're going to have to take a little time and talk about these. Oh, we're going to have to. I mean, the first one is, is, uh, I mean, there's, there's three different things as you just said, you know, Tim Cahill, Henri and the cell, but I mean, you know, kind of one of the biggest ones that has kind of picked up steam over the weekend 
was Tim Cahill, who has been called up to international duty uh, with Australia. There's a lot of talk, Ivis, of, of, you know, he's putting country over club, but he's going out and saying that, you know, I've always said that when I've been here. But, you know, kind of a lot of talk back and forth between him and, and you know, reporters asking Petke, you know, thoughts on, you know, if that contributed to Cahill getting benched and coming in as a sub, which then he picked up his first red card. So you talk about emotions, Ivis, boiling over at this point. But, I mean, look, there's a lot of back and forth with Tim Hay- Cahill going on right now. And, I mean, it almost looks like I was he over Henri. It looks like Cahill is going to be the guy that's not coming back next year, right? And, and I, I definitely see, I can see that. And I actually wrote about that uh, for Goal.com over the weekend. But we have to, we have to go over some of this uh, uh, pretty quickly, just to clarify for those who haven't been following along. Uh, Tim Cahill has been called up by Australia. That's not a new thing. Every time Australia has a game, he gets called up. He goes to it. He travels wherever he has to go. That's not a new development. Um, the, what is new uh, with Cahill is the fact that he's kind of lost his place uh, in the starting lineup, and he has, and he's not lost his place because of uh, because of the call up, and 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 it's interesting that that narrative has, has kind of uh, been floated out there, and it's actually been floated out there by Terry Henry in his own subtle way with comments that he's made, and even with a uh, you know an interesting retweet that he chose to retweet. He retweeted a story. That claimed, uh, you know, he was uh, almost as if he was being reprimanded, uh, uh, punished for accepting a call up uh, for Australia by being benched in this game against Houston. But the reality is, of the situation is, he was he's he's not he wasn't going to start, and he wasn't going to start because the Red Bulls had played so well uh, without him. Mm-hmm. They, they they enjoyed a good run of form. They, and then Mike Pecky puts him back in the lineup against the Galaxy, and the team struggles. And obviously, playing the Galaxy in L.A. is enough to make anybody struggle. But I think Pecky saw that and thought, you know, maybe I should stick with the group that had been getting me all those results uh, while Cahill was not was not around. Uh, so it's interesting that Cahill would kind of, uh, in his own subtle way, try to spin or push a story that he was being... Uh, punished or that he was being uh you know forced out of the lineup for any other reason than the fact that the team's playing better without him and Mm -hmm. and maybe that's a convenient storyline for him it's a more convenient storyline that he's being mistreated than the simple fact he's being uh some some pecky's been choosing other players over him so i thought that was interesting and 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 i thought cahill's outburst last friday was very uncharacteristic of Cahill, uh, just him coming out and ex- and expressing his unhappiness with the situation. Uh, you know, I thought there were some really telling comments from him. You know, the whole idea of, you know, I thought we did pretty well with me in the lineup last year. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, but that, Tim, was, that was last year. Things right. change after 12 things, months. Things I mean, change. I don't think anyone expected Eric Alexander, Dax McCarty to, to, you know, form this awesome defensive holding midfield tandem that they formed for this team. And I don't think anyone could have predicted that Bradley Wright Phillips was going to have the season that he was going to have this year, too. Right. And things have gone a certain way. Now, I'll be the first to say last year he was outstanding. He was, for me, an absolute MVP candidate. And you could definitely have made the point that he was, I mean, for my money, and I think I wrote the story, that I thought he should have won the MVP. And even though he didn't, uh, uh, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at, at how important he was to the Supporters' Shield run last year, I thought he was more deserving MVP than Mike Pecky, who, I mean, not Mike Pecky, than Mike McGee, who, whose team didn't even make the playoffs. So, uh, from that standpoint, it, I thought it was a uh, you know last year was last year though this year has not qu- gone quite as well for him, and not to say that he's still not a good player, and not to say it is uh, that it's not a little surprising that he's 
uh, unable to kind of find a role on the team right now. But I thought I thought it was a little disingenuous on his part to kind of push along, uh, subtly or not, the narrative of, uh, of of him being punished or him being uh, forced out of the lineup. And and then you know we everyone's watching Cahill on Saturday night. Uh, he's he's kind of become the su- the subplot, you know, the subplot. What's going on with Tim Cahill? And then you're watching the entire bench warm up, except for Tim yeah. Cahill at one point. And I thought that was pretty telling. And then Pecky puts him on anyway, and then he gets a red card. Now, for me, I had I, the replays I watched. It was a little harsh. I thought the red card, but it still was so fitting and so telling uh, that he gets that red card, and then he bolts. And then after the match, when you go in the locker room. His locker room is completely empty. It was the lead to my column. Uh, I mean, there wasn't even a hanger in there. I mean, he took his stuff and bounced. And I thought it was interesting. It's interesting stuff. Um, Since you're going to be talking about him and Henri, chances that Cahill comes back next year? Uh, I'm going to say I'm going to give him like a 25% chance right now. Okay. 25% chance. Okay. I'm with you on that. I would say a little lower. I would say about 10%. Probably, yeah. It's you know most people would have said you know a few months back that it, that he see, he would feel seem like a lock, but the way things are going right now, yeah. and that's it. The first inkling that I got of him possibly leaving is is when I had a chance to talk to him after the World Cup. Uh, he was he was a part of uh, Goal dot com's Goal Fifty, which is kind of like the fifty best players, and uh, you know I had a, a pretty lengthy interview with him, and he talked so much about Australia. And about everything going on there with the Asian Cup next year. And the sense you got was that, you know, he wants to go back. That maybe, you know, at some point he's going to go back and play in the Australian League. And what better time to do that than in 2015 when the Asian Cup's there and and, and, and things are going to start kicking off. Or and they'd like to think that things are going to start uh, kicking off in Australia for, for, for Australian soccer. So uh, that was the first inkling that you could, that I got, at least. I know there have been longstanding rumors about uh, him returning to England and, and, and everything else. But that was the first sense you got. And uh, it, it's just his roles changed. His roles changed in the team. You know, before he was a more visible leader. He was a more uh, commanding presence in the locker room. Slowly but surely, that has changed. You know, when you're when you're in the Red Bulls locker room after games, now uh, he's nowhere to be found. He's not someone lingering around, hanging out uh, with his teammates. He's just slowly but surely kind of faded out of the picture. Picture, and 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 I think that's going to make it uh, that much easier for him to move on, and that much easier for the Red Bulls to move him on. Uh, moving over to another guy, Ivis, that may potentially be moving on is Henri. This is tied into a lot of the conversation uh, that did come out this past week regards to that New York Red Bulls are, are that the Red Bull organization in Austria is focusing more on Europe and and they're not really focused on the New York Red Bulls as much. So lots of chatter about that. But I mean, possibility that Henri, who's had a very good season for New York this year, has had very good seasons in the past for New York Red Bulls. I mean, it almost just seems like I, I can't fathom not seeing Henri in the league next year. It just it seems hard to believe that. Uh, it shouldn't be though. It shouldn't be because you know he he's put in his years and uh, you know he's been playing for a long time. And uh, at a certain point, you you have other things you want to do in your life, and you know he's got nothing left to prove. And uh, you know he he's he's been a, a, an ambassador for the league. He's he's played well. I mean, this year you could argue he's he deserves MVP mm-hmm. MVP consideration even more so than Bradley Wright Phillips. Although uh, casual observers you know probably won't realize what he's meant, but anyone who's followed the Red Bulls this year uh, knows just how important he is to the Red Bulls. So. 
he, you get the sense he's kind of trying to finish strong, go out with a bang, and 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 you almost you feel like he even senses some desperation on his part to want to go out with a title. He's won titles everywhere he's gone. He's won he's won championships in, uh, you know, whether it's Spain or England, and and you know, obviously with France, he's won a World Cup. So he's won everything there is to win. Uh, so I'm sure somewhere in his mind, the competitor that he is, he'd like to go out with an MLS Cup if this is in fact his last year. Now, obviously, last weekend, last weekend, last weekend, you had Gerard Houllier, the head of Red Bull Soccer, coming out and saying that, uh, you know, telling a, a French media outlet that 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 Henri's not coming back, uh, and 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 then he backtracked a day later and said, no, that nothing's been decided. And I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, Henri got on Henri got on the phone and probably chewed him out and 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 said, what the heck are you doing? And and it's, honestly, if you're Gerard Houllier, I mean, he's in that. That was an absolute idiotic move on his part to to go out publicly and, and make a comment uh, that that he that Henri wasn't coming back. I mean, your team is in the middle of yeah. a playoff push. The last thing they needed is a distraction. And hey, it's one thing for uh, an American outlet to 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 cite un you know uh, anonymous sources saying that that Henri is 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 not coming back. And it's a completely other thing when a head the head of global soccer for Red Bull goes on the record and saying that Henri's not coming back. So I thought that was interesting. For me, I think he I don't think he comes back. I think he I think he maybe goes back to England and and you know f- spends a half season with Arsenal as a as a player coach. Uh kind of closes it out there or just walks away altogether and just hangs out in New York City, which you know we all know how much he loves New York. He's got a he's got a family. He's got children that, you know, he, he, well, he has, at least he has a daughter. There's questions about whether or not he has a son. Actually, I think he does have a son. We we saw a little kid, a little boy, uh, you know, going daddy, daddy. To, and it was at him, I'm pretty sure, we saw after one of the games. So, so you know what? At a certain point, you want to you wanna enjoy those things, enjoy your family, and, and, and stop with the grind of after 20 years as a professional. So I don't think anyone should begrudge him of that. Uh, and the last thing that did come out this week, along with Henri, is the sell of the team. That did come out that New York is not entertaining offers, but there was kind of a, a hint that you know if someone came in and offered three hundred million dollars, that New York Red Bulls would be sold. Don Garber went out and then said that Major League Soccer is uh, you know has no interest in in selling New York Red Bulls. Ivis, but I mean, come on, look, if someone came in with three hundred, four hundred million dollars and offered to buy the New York Red Bulls, I mean, come on, they would sell the team, right? Right. I mean, I don't think anyone should be shocked by that. I mean, I think. Uh, Red Bulls, as, Red Bull as a company isn't is it cleaning up as as well as it was maybe five ten years ago. Obviously, uh, the you know the 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 energy drink market is, is is pretty crowded now, and they don't have the monopoly that they once had. So maybe they're not making as much money as they were making before as as an overall company. And then they also have other soccer teams that they're managing. You're talking Red Bull Salzburg, and now Red Bull Leipzig. Even though I don't think that's the official name anymore, they had to, I think they had to change the name for for you know for because of uh, issues in Germany with with the the name Red Bull Leipzig. Um, but uh, so for that reason, I think there you have to be open. Have you as a company, you always have to be uh, willing to listen if someone uh, is interested in buying. Or interested in making you an offer? I mean, that's just that's just the deal. That's just, hey, SBI, I, I'm here. Anybody wants to make an offer, feel free. Um, so it, it is what it is. But you know, the, the, any 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 I, any sense or any uh, notion that that the Red Bulls are actively pushing to move the team, you know, it's not they have a they don't have a Craigslist listing. It's not on eBay. It's not that it's not that aggressive a push. But I, I think given 
the state of Red Bull as a company, no one should be shocked that they're they're open to listening if someone wants to make them a huge offer. What are the chances that like uh, the Cosmos buy the team? Yeah, I've heard that kind of stuff. I think <laughs> I, I think the Cosmos, <clears throat> I think the Cosmos are doing their own thing. I think they're they have their own plans, and uh, you know, as uh, you know, as evidence this weekend now that they're ta- they're talking to Spanish legend Raúl. They want to bring him in, so they have their grand plans. <clears throat> uh, you know whether whether it's building a a, a, a media, uh, they want to have their own media channel. They they, they want to build a stadium. So the Cosmos they're doing their own thing. So I don't I don't think they're uh, I don't think they see MLS as an investment that uh, that they want to get into. Just you know when you think about single entity and 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 limit and limited revenue streams and all that sort of thing. So I don't think Cosmos. I don't think the Cosmos are going to buy the Red Bulls. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Um, but and, and that's the question: Who is going to? Who would, in theory, buy the Red Bulls uh, if you're not selling dirt cheap, right? I mean, I know the figure in the original report said something like 300 million. Uh, that oh, the Red Bulls would sell for 300 million. Like, no kidding, no kidding, they'd sell for yeah. 300 million. Who Every, everything is negotiable in Major League Soccer. Right, right. So, like, is is that is any even Red Bull? Even if you're a Red Bull fan. Can you honestly sit here and say, how dare they think about selling the team for $300 million? Like, what? $300 million? Are you kidding me right now? If you can get out right now with that investment, uh, getting all your money back and some more millions, what? why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you do it? So, uh, you know what? Do I think they're going to be sold? No, because I just don't think the market is there. I don't think anyone's going to make them the kind of offer it would take. Uh, but obviously they're going to listen. And if that changes, I would be very interested to see who comes along with that kind of money because the, the one, the one ownership group or the one group of people who I could have seen having that money has already bought into MLS. And that's the, the owners, owners of NYCFC and they bought in for a hundred million. So, I mean, they, I don't see anyone else making that kind of offer. Moving on from New York topics, Ivis, I know you'd like to spend you know an hour-long show talking about how great everything in New York is, even with drama, if we have to move on, Ivis, for the sake of the show. First game you went to this past week, Philadelphia Union and Chicago Fire. Chicago pick up their 18th draw on the season. Union, who are fighting for a playoff chance, Ivis, just a unfortunate mistake at the end of the game you can shed some more light on this on uh, on their new goalkeeper not new goalkeeper but goalkeeper they acquired in the season uh Reese Memboli um shank and then and then a goal over his head in stoppage time I mean for Philadelphia Union just the worst possible time to suffer a draw when you're almost now at this point looking like you're not going to make the playoffs talk about an absolute gut-wrenching heartbreaking confidence shattering uh ending to a game it was unbelievable i gotta tell you first of all is one of the the first 84 minutes of that game was one of the worst games of the season no doubt about it It was awful atrocious uh not a lot of so- not a lot of soccer to be played uh i mean the union were, were the better team they created more chances they couldn't finish uh and it looked like they were on their way to a draw and then i'm i'm Akugo, with a, a big, big goal. It looked like he was going to save them, keep their playoff hopes alive, and then rise and bully. I mean, you couldn't write, you couldn't, you couldn't have made it up. You couldn't have written the script. And for people who are not familiar, I'll give them the quick summary. Uh, the union uh, went and signed rise and bully, Algerian national team goalkeeper, uh, who, a player who did well at the World Cup. Um, they signed him. Even though they had an established goalkeeper in Zach McMath, a young goalkeeper who who had been playing better and had been coming into his own, uh, 
and they have the number one overall pick in this year's draft uh, behind him in Andre Blake. Even though they had those two goalkeepers, uh, the union went out and and, and bought Rise and Bowley uh, to plug him in. And, uh, you know, there, there was a lot of hand-wringing about that decision, especially, well, number one, it was Nick Sikiewicz's decision, the president, the head of the union, uh, the president, the CEO of the union. He, that, that was his pet project. He wanted to bring in Risenbola. He thought he was going to be the answer. Uh, and he couldn't, he couldn't gloat enough about this acquisition. Uh, so for, for Risenbola to be the guy who gave away the biggest win of the season with an absolute disaster of a play i mean you could not have scripted it any any worse really i mean or any better any worse however you want to put it uh and now the union their their playoff hopes are in life support they need to win all their three all three of their games and hope other things kind of go a certain way in order for them to get in and it's crazy and uh obviously i was at that game and you know i wrote i I wrote a column for gold.com uh, putting the blame squarely on Nick Sikiewicz, you know, someone who I've known a long time. Uh, you know, I, I, we're actually, uh, for those who don't know, we're born in the same city. Uh, we go way back. He actually played uh, club soccer with my uncle. So, you know, we go way back. But I had to I had to go at him. I had to tell I had to put the blame where the blame belonged. And the blame belonged with him because he's the one who went and bought this guy that they didn't really need. They read what they really needed is a forward. But, you know, instead of going and getting a forward, they go and get another goalkeeper. And now you go into important games like these and they're playing Pedro Ribeiro, a converted midfielder at forward because they don't have anyone else to play at forward, uh, you know, because of some injuries to Connor Casey and Sebastian too. So uh, they're in a world of hurt. And and that loss is so devastating to that team. And now you want to see what happens with the union. Uh, How does Jim Curtin handle this? Does he bench and bully? Uh, a, a Jim Curtin, a coach who has yet to be officially named uh, uh, coach going forward for next year, does he just you know ignore what you know is is a push to play Emboli? Um, does he ignore that, or does he just keep him in the lineup and just deal with it because he knows that's what his bosses want? Uh, for me, I speculated that I think you have to bench Emboli because the team has zero confidence. I can I have to I, Garrett. I got to tell you. The union, the players on that team want no part of Risenboli in the lineup. Well, they I don't, don't blame him. Zach McMath, you know, before the U.S. Open Cup was 6 0 and 4 in the last 10 matches, all competitions. I mean, we talked about McMath having a wonderful season this year. And then, you know, when Minboli was signed, you know, even you and I at that time were like, what the heck are the Philadelphia Union doing right now? It makes no sense at all. It just, the union, man, why, Ivis, why is it that their front office continues, not continues, but just seems to make these minor hiccups here and there that just bite them in the ass all the time. Well, I mean, actually, I think the front office that was there before the current group did a pretty good job of building up this roster. And this roster is talented. This roster has some quality to it. Um, And when you look at the results that they've gotten on the curtain, they've really shown uh, that they can get results. But um, uh, the the, the rise and bully acquisition absolutely was a head scratcher. And what I would say is, look, when you when you look at their resumes, Risenboli and Zach McMath, right? Risenboli is supposed to be a better goalkeeper, and he probably is, all things being equal. But the fact remains, the team as constituted now doesn't know Mboli. They haven't played many games with Mboli. They have played a lot of games with Zach McMath, and they have an established rapport with McMath. They have confidence in McMath, uh, especially this year, as I pointed out in my in my uh, in my column. There's they were they were six zero and four. 
in their last 10 games with McMath in the starting lineup in all competitions before the Open Cup final. And now whether you want to officially call that a draw on the books because they lost in, in extra time or whatever, the point is they weren't they they were they were playing well with McMath in the lineup. And and there's something to be said for a team being comfortable with a player, being comfortable with a goalkeeper, and 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 then be and not being comfortable with another player. So look at the results. Mboli, they have not gotten the results with Mboli, and they have gotten the results with McMath. And if you if I'm Jim Curtin, I'm thinking I need to worry about salvaging this season yep. and regaining regaining the confidence of my team. And what can help me do that is putting Zach McMath back in the lineup because I can tell you right now. And Bowley, the team has like just based on my observations and seeing the way they reacted to that that blunder, the team wants the players. They don't want any part of Bowley. Well, look, the union. I guess the silver lining to all of this, Ivis, is they at least get to play Columbus Crew two times out of the last three matches, and that if they pick up victories, I think two victories over Columbus, that could put them in the playoffs. So it's not all doom and gloom for Philadelphia yet. There is a chance, Ivis, that they can make the playoffs. I don't know if that, oh, yeah. that you know, I don't know if that's going to gloss over all the problems well, they no, made right. for the time being, right, but, right. but they, it, will they make, need- it will make things look a little bit more you know, cheery on, on you know, the torrential the- downfall that it's been for a while. They have a chance, but it's a slim chance because they ha- they have to win out. If they win out, they have two games against Columbus. They have a game against Kansas City. Two of those games are at home. Um, and they had a little bit of good luck this weekend in the sense that Federico Higuain, uh, Columbus Crew, the Columbus Crew's star player, uh, received the yellow card in their game. So now he's not going to play in the game against the Union the next game. So there's a little bit of a silver lining. But the Union, they have to win. <clears throat> they have to win at least both games against the Crew. Mm-hmm. And ideally, they win all three games to to really. If they win all three games, I think it's safe. It's safe to say they should probably be in the playoffs because um, I don't see TFC winning out. Um, but but it's not going to be easy, man. No, they have not. to get. They have to shake this loss off, or it's not a loss. It was a tie, but they have to shake that result off. And and when you saw the faces in that locker room, uh, and you saw Jim Curtin's face in the post game press conference. They were absolutely stunned. And I tell you what, they were more stunned. They looked more defeated after that tie than they did in the U.S. Open Cup final. I mean, that tells you all you need to know, so we'll see now. And mind you, they haven't won since that Open Cup final. So we'll see now if they can get off the mat. Uh, staying in the Eastern Conference, D.C. United Sporting Kansas City played to a scoreless draw. D.C. all over Sporting in this one. I mean, if look, if you're Kansas City, you're looking for anything at this point. At this point, look, you go on the road, you pick up a point. Your defense holds up, even though D.C. was all over them. I have a potential missed penalty in this game, but more importantly, I guess it just goes to show the turnaround for D.C., who have now qualified for the playoffs, going from worse to first in the Eastern Conference. They still have not clinched the number one spot in the Eastern Conference, but they've qualified for the playoffs. And, uh, I mean, look, it just completes the turnaround for D.C. I mean, what, what a remarkable turnaround that they've had. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I was at the game, and they were. I, we made the trip. I made the trip. Uh, Frank Openizo and I, we went We went to Philly Thursday. We saw that snoozer. Well, I ended up being a bit <laughs> of a term. It, it was mostly a snoozer. Uh, then, we, then we headed down to D.C., uh, ha- enjoyed some nice Nando's because when you're in DC, you have to have Nando's. Uh, and then we took in that game, uh, partied it up a little bit, and then we came up. We came up to back up to Jersey, Red Bull Arena, uh, to check out the drama, the soap opera. Um, so it was it was a great little weekend, great great swing of games, put a lot of miles on the SBI mobile. 
Uh, but DC United, man, hats off to them. Hats off to Ben Olsen. Hats off to Dave Casper, uh, the the GM, a guy who I will I will be the first to say. Last year, I had a lot of questions about him keeping his job, considering how bad last year went for them. Uh, but credit to him now, you know that he kept the job and he he really. They, he and Olsen together helped really turn things around, building that team, putting that team together. Now, look, they had some Christmas presents drop in their lap in, in the reentry draft with guys like Bobby Boswell, Fabian Espindola. They got the number one pick or the number two, number one pick, which they then traded uh, and then traded down and got a player in Steve Birnbaum, who's looking like a rookie of the year uh, candidate now. Uh, so everything has really gone their way. And you just see how fortunes have changed. Right. Last year, Sporting KC, MLS Cup champs, DC United. Uh, fewest wins in the history of the league. Now you go into last night, DC United. Uh, even though they ended up tied, they were always they were always in control of the game. Uh, they finished the season two zero and one against KC. KC did not score a goal in any of the three games. Uh, so DC United is the boss of the Eastern Conference now. There's no doubt about it. They, they've got a they've got a cushy uh, lead now atop the atop the East. So they're going to be the number one seed. And and I tell you what, man, they they look really good. They look like a team that, as much as everyone's talking about Seattle and LA, that DC United team. When you get if if they get to the final, you get them in a one game situation. Uh, they absolutely could end up going from uh, worst to first. And the crazy thing for DC, for the most part, Ivis, they're doing this without the services of Eddie Johnson. I mean, who you know, Garley going into the season, you're probably thinking that you know he's going to be their top player for them. But I mean, it goes to show just kind of how every single other player has stepped up on the team. But I mean, in your back pocket though, if you're DC, I mean, bringing Eddie Johnson off the bench in the playoffs if you need a goal in the final five, ten minutes of the match, whew, that's a scary thought. He he's such an enigma. He's such an enigma. You never know what you're going to get with him from year to year. I'm sure. I guess I'm looking at an optim, you know, being more optimistic about having him on your on your bench going into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it just shows you how well the season has gone. That that he's almost kind of a luxury item at yeah. this point. That that what if you get something from him, then you're happy. But you have so many other. I mean, Fabian Espindola has really come into his own. Uh, Luis Silva. I mean, Luis Silva. You look at him now. He's the player everyone thought he could be when he was coming out of college. He never, you know, he he never quite got his chance at Toronto. Uh, they traded him in a trade, which at the time I thought was was terrible. I thought it was a great trade for DC. I thought they were giving him away, and now here he is uh, playing amazingly. Um, and then then you have Chris Pontius coming back. Uh, everything's just yeah. falling into place for them. And 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 Eddie Johnson, I'm I'm interested to see Eddie Johnson how he adapts to what is looking now like a, a super sub role. He's not the man. He's not the starter. Uh, and I, you know what? I think he won't have a problem with that. And you know why? Because I think now that he has his contract, now that he's you know signed and sealed, if he were if he were in the last year of his deal, playing for a new contract and having to come off the bench, I think I think there'd be some problems in DC. But I think he's got his contract. He he's comfortable. Uh, he's he, he's got to see that the team is playing really well. Uh, so I think he'll be okay. And DC man, Ben Olsen, credit to him. He's put it all together. And and we said it. I said it. We said it in the preseason with the veterans that they were adding to that team, that infusion of talent that they were bringing into that team. They were going to turn things around. I don't think anyone, including Ben Olsen, and he even said it on Friday night. Uh, I don't think anybody saw them turning it around this dramatically. Oh yeah, I, yeah. To be to go from worst to first, I, I think you and I had an impossible playoff spot. Uh, 
yeah, it's pretty crazy to see kind of what they've done. Also, Fabian Espindola, as you mentioned him, that's four straight seasons with nine-plus goals for him. So, I mean, look, he, quietly, Ivis, I think some people pay, pay attention to the league, probably know how good of a player he is, but I mean, quietly, four straight seasons with nine-plus goals, quite nice. Uh, moving over to the Western Conference, Vancouver defeated FC Dallas 2-0. to zero. This is coming off Vancouver's big victory over Real Salt Lake last week, 2-1. to one. Vancouver... I mean, Ivis, this was murderer's row for them, facing RSL, FC Dallas, Seattle Sounders, and now 2-0 against these teams. Sebastian Fernandez with a brace in this match. I mean, Ivis, Vancouver, they cease to go away. I mean, if they make the playoffs, I mean, what a turnaround for them. Absolutely a big win for Vancouver. And, and just when we had written them off, I know I wrote them off, they have turned around and put together two emphatic results. They are right now looking like a team that wants to be in the playoffs. And, and you couldn't say that two weeks ago. Uh, credit to Carl Robinson. He's got he's gotten them to respond and to really step up at a time when it was either winner winner go home and uh, and and they've really now not only are they looking like a team that could in, could potentially hold off Portland for that final playoff spot, mm-hmm. but they're looking like a team that you know you might not want to have to deal with once you get into the knockout round. If you're FC Dallas, FC Dallas slumping a bit. Fabian Castillo is injured. Uh, they're not quite as uh, you know playing as well as they were. Uh, say a month ago so vancouver man it, it, with the talents that, with the attacking talent that they have on that team mm-hmm. when you talk about pedro morales sebastian fernandez kakuda manet darren maddox uh eric Hurtado. they they've got quality they've got attacking quality uh and now they've made things a lot more interesting because they're on a roll and you have portland timbers who is dramatic as last last week's uh loss to toronto was uh, they've responded as well. So this race is going to really come down to the final week. Also for Vancouver, uh, we, we talked about this. I thought the acquisition of Rosales was going to pay huge dividends for them. And I mean, in eight games for Vancouver, I was, he, he's looked very good for them. I mean, picking up two assists in this match against FC Dallas, I mean, he, he's been a nice little pickup for them down the stretch here. And then back in the Eastern Conference, New England defeated Columbus uh, 2-1. to one. I was Jermaine Jones with another goal, the match-winning goal in this one for New England. And uh, look, they're, uh, they're slowly climbing up the Eastern Conference. Possibility for them to catch D.C. United. Uh, but more importantly, they get to avoid that 4-5-3 uh, spot. You know, if New England finishes second in the Eastern Conference, there'll be quite the turnaround for them who started great and then hit the skid and are now back up on the... Uh, on the uh, Climbing back up the mountain, sort you know, as you could say. Yeah, the Revs, man. They're, they're you. You, you got to say they're right now. The uh, everyone's t- Seattle and LA are crushing everybody, but New England, they are rounding in the form. Jermaine Jones has settled right in and been exactly what they needed. Lee Wynn continues to make his case for an MVP consideration, and uh, everything's going right for New England right now. And uh, <clears throat> you got to, you, you got to think that right now they're they've moved into second place they've mm-hmm. taken full advantage of sporting kansas city's struggles uh and, and at the end of the day is that really going to matter that much we'll see if it matters because i i think it's it's safe to say we're going to see new england and kc in the semis um and that is a matchup i think everyone's going to be looking forward to and right now you have to think new england, new england's going to go into that series the favorite which obviously is a lot different than last year when uh you know you didn't not many gave them much of a chance at all uh, to beat uh, to beat Sporting Kansas City, I think I remember I gave them like a one percent chance last year of beating the. <laughs> Actually, I gave the I gave New England a one percent chance of winning MLS Cup. Uh, I wrote a piece last year, uh, and they had the low. I gave them the lowest percentage to win the whole thing, and their fans took that and ran with it. They made some banners up. 
uh, we're the one percent. And I thought that, listen, that was a, that, that was a great moment for me. I, I got to say, I was pretty proud of that. I thought that, I thought that was, I got a, a real kick out of that. Uh, they have a much better than one percent chance this year. That you can you can take to the bank because uh, the way their team has come together uh, with Jermaine Jones in the middle, man, they they could they could beat they could beat anybody really. So <clears throat> things are coming along well for them, and you have to start really considering them. Uh, a title contender. Yeah, well, I mean, look, if they if they match up against Sporting Kansas City in the semifinals, New England 3-0 against Sporting Kansas City uh, this year, just completely dominated them. Moving over to the Western Conference, LA Galaxy defeated Toronto FC 3-0. Big blow to Toronto FC's playoff chances, especially coming after that big victory last week against Portland. LA, they keep pace with the Seattle Sounders, and Ivis Landon Donovan is now the all-time assist leader in Major League Soccer. A nice another feather in the cap for him. Right, and it, you know it, it's it's a it's a great uh, it's a great accomplishment. My only issue is the fact that it comes on a secondary assist, and and you know MLS. I know they're never going to get rid of it, but you, you you'd like to kind of think maybe it's time to get rid of the secondary assist because it's like it's I stupid. think it was a, it's stupid. It's it, it, it was a bit of a downer because you'd like to have him get a legitimate assist, and when you think about it. His last two assists were, were 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 questionable. I mean, well, you know, obviously the 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 record breaker. It's a clear cut secondary assist. Uh, so by the league guidelines, it, it, it's it's an illegit it's a legitimate assist. But any assist that you have to run an extra long uh, highlight clip to show probably shouldn't be an assist. Uh, and then obviously the record tying assist. There was questions about whether a defender touched the ball as Keane had it. Keen dribbled around and threw a couple of players. Is that really an assist? So for me, look, Donovan's career has been great enough. I don't, I don't think the league should, you know, kind of go out of its way to make sure he gets the record, which is a, you kind of almost get that sense, right? Given these last two assists, mm-hmm. but the guy, the guy, look, the guy's playing out of his mind. The Galaxy are playing ama- amazingly. Robbie Keen. Is really dude. He's having know, he's having quite the season this year. He's having an amazing season, and uh, you know, I I wrote a, a column for Gold.com last night. It's out now uh, on the MVP race, and uh, there's quite a few candidates for MVP right now. Robbie Keane is the front runner, uh, and his some some of his stats. When you look at some of his stats, they're pretty pretty amazing. Uh, you know, one, one one stat to think about <clears throat> when you want to talk about. Uh, contributing to goals, total goals, and that means goal, uh, goal, combining goals and assists. He is one off of the league, the re, the league record for 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 goals and assists combined. Uh, he's one behind the record, uh, which is was is held by Chris Wanolowski, who had uh, twenty seven goals and seven assists. Uh, so he he contributed to thirty four total goals in twenty twelve. Robbie Keane is one off that with three games to go. Uh, so that kind of puts it in perspective for you the kind of season that he's having. Uh, and, and LA man, they're on a roll. Uh, I know, I know that they're. I know Seattle's also on a roll. But as I've been saying for some time now, for a while now, the, the the Galaxy. You look at the way they're playing; they are the favorites, and nothing has changed on that front. Robbie Keane playing. Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan playing the way they're playing right now. I don't. No, I don't see anybody stopping them. Uh, Robbie Keane, nineteen goals, a uh, career high for Major League Soccer. Also, fourteen assists. Also, career high. Previous over sixteen and eleven for him. I mean, like you said, I mean he's having an unbelievable season for the LA Galaxy. Chivas USA, Ivis. We also like didn't get the memo that everyone you're supposed to beat up on Chivas USA. Take your three points and go home. Somehow RSL missed that. Missed out on this 
Chiefs USA, one to zero victory over Real Salt Lake. What the hell happened in this match? Uh, that's a good question. And the crazy part is they've actually done it twice this year. Chiefs USA apparently has beaten RSL twice. That's six points that every uh, uh, most other teams in the league have managed to get. Uh, but RSL, you know, it, it's it's crazy. And you know, I watched the game and. You know, RSL had more possession, yeah. but they just did. They just didn't look. They didn't look sharp. They looked a little flat, and I think they went in a little overconfident. You know, and sometimes that can happen. And when a team goes in overconfident, and then they play, face a team that comes in inspired, uh, you can have this kind of result. And Chivas USA, they play, give them credit. They played better in this game than you and than I've seen them play in a while, in a good while. And uh, I don't know if it's the the the, the persistent sale rumors. And the reality of the situation, which is that you're going to see those players probably go into some kind of dispersal draft. Uh, so they're auditioning for their futures. They're auditioning for 2015 and for for a contract with another team in MLS. I mean, if, if things are uh, to be believed, you know, so <clears throat> it, it was uh, it was a little surprising, but to, to say the least. And, and I think the Chris Schuler injury was obviously a huge blow for them. Uh, for those who missed it, he 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 ran into teammate Nat Borchers face first and uh, and busted his nose and had to come out of the match. And Rich Ball Balshin came in and had a a pair of blunders on the same play uh, that cost them that that goal. Um, so that really just kind of set a negative tone for them, and then they never really could recover from that. So uh, credit to Chivas USA and RSL. They've missed their you know they it's it's. It's a it's a lost cause. It's been a lost cause because Seattle and LA have really turned it on. So the whole idea of RSL kind of catching them from behind and, and catching their number one seed is such a distant memory. But now they have to worry about FC Dallas because you know they could end up going dropping down to fourth place if they're not careful. And, and I still think FC Dallas mm-hmm. sta- uh, stays in fourth because of the schedule that they have left. But RSL they need to get their act together. I thought I honestly thought they would would be finishing the season. Uh, looking a lot better than they're looking, but now if you're Jeff Kassar, you have to start worrying a little bit that you, you know, your team needs to needs to kind of iron some things out, straighten some things out before the playoffs. Uh, moving back over to Chivas USA, though, uh, we we kind of mentioned this before about a piece that you wrote on goal about Chivas USA possibly dropping down to USL Pro, and you keep the players, and then and then that gives you know an owner, potential owner, you know, a year to operate the team. Uh, but look, the report's coming out now, Ivis, that there's uh, an investment group of about four people purchasing the club close in the range of $100 million and that the team will kind of suspend operations for two years. Uh, I mean, what do you make of this move? Do you think this is the right move for Major League Soccer to do this with, with Chivas USA? Well, if this is the, the if this is the way that they're going to sell the team, then, then then you have to kind of go with it. You know, When you want, want to talk about a $100 million sale – for a club that's 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 a train wreck, then you kind of got to do it, right? Uh, I, for me, I, you know, why are we calling it a, a hiatus, right? If you're getting rid of the, if you're getting rid of everybody on the team, and you're getting rid of the name of the team, how is it still like? Why are we calling it hiatus? It's you know, and and uh, the reason that, the reason that they're not calling it is high. Uh, the reason they want to call it a hiatus is the league does not want it to be perceived as contraction because that's not a good look for the league, a league that's trying to expand to other markets and doesn't want a track record of instability. And that's an issue. And I wrote about it for Goal.com um, uh, uh, or last week that that that's the picture that MLS is trying to paint. Uh, b- by this whole spin of, of of and look, nothing's official yet. 
nothing's been confirmed. <clears throat> the, the sale is not yet has not yet been announced. So again, we're all we're still kind of speculating here, but it, it, it's not too hard to figure out why MLS would want to portray it the way they're portraying it. For me, I, I just think it's interesting now what's going to happen with these players. Uh, even now, when you want to talk about at the end of the season uh, with contracts, uh, contract extensions, uh, who's going to decide which players get extended? If these, if the team is not going to exist anymore, uh, do they do they speak to teams around the league and see who the the teams in MLS would be interested in bringing back? So it's a, it's a real mess. It's going to be a real mess, and and I don't envy MLS. Uh, the M- the MLS uh, you know HR department for having to try to deal with all this because it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be messy. I'm sure some more light on this will be shed as we approach the end of the season. Uh, Portland defeated San Jose Earthquakes two to one, big victory for them. Also because Vancouver won, uh, but we also had a Rodney Wallace sighting for Portland. Ivis, he got a brace in this match. Uh, Portland be able to come back uh, and defeat San Jose two to one, big victory for them. Absolutely, a uh, huge victory, and uh, you know. It's uh, after that loss to Toronto and losing Will Johnson to a season ending uh, to a broken leg. You know, you, you you could have seen them go into a bit of a tailspin. But as I mean, I said it in our last episode. I I, I thought Caleb Porter would rally the troops, and and I thought that you know he it, he's going to relish the challenge of, of having to keep this team afloat, keeping this team in the mix, and 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 Rodney Wallace stepping up. And it's easy for people to forget last year how important Rodney Wallace was to Portland. And I think his absence at the early in the year, recovering from ACL surgery, was one of the reasons why they got off to some to such a rough start, such a terrible start to the season. So now that he's back, that's huge for them. Uh, they still have, you know, there's still work to be done on their part. And Vancouver is making things a lot more difficult. Uh, but you know, we need to see <clears throat> we need to see that defense uh, just get consistent. We need that defense to to, to post some shutouts. Show some stability and look anything close to what last year's defense looked like. And and right now it's still it's still a little looks a little shaky. So I think getting into the playoffs, if Portland gets into the playoffs, I think that'll be a victory considering everything that's happened this year. Uh, but beyond that, I don't know if anyone should get their hopes up about Portland doing anything much more than that. Uh, Seattle Sounders defeated Colorado 4-1. to Oba Femi Martins now Ivis nine goals since August. He's been on a tear. He had a brace in this match. But as we said with the LA Galaxy, it's just important for Seattle to keep picking up victories. Uh, they're keeping pace with the LA Galaxy, and it just makes those final two games of the season between the Seattle Sounders and LA Galaxy even more appealing. Uh, Seattle men just adding to Colorado's misery with victory. Nothing to be said about this game except for two things. One, Seattle looks great. Two, Colorado, <laughs> Colorado, Colorado is not the worst team in MLS because Chivas just won a match, and Colorado has been a collection of traffic cones for the last 11 matches. They're looking awful, and uh, the less said about them, the better. Uh, think about 2015, people, because that, that it, it's, it's a dumpster fire there. And uh, Chicago played Montreal to a scoreless draw. In this one, Ivis. That was the last match of the weekend. No, no comment on that game. <laughs> Moving on from Major League Soccer, Ivis, we have some U.S. Men's National Team games this week. The roster came out on Monday morning. No surprises, really. Kind of the same cast of characters that we've seen Jurgen Klinsmann uh, call up to the roster. Yes, Donovan is there as he will be playing on Friday. So no uh, possible controversy of Klinsmann accidentally leaving him out or anything like that but uh what'd you make of the roster that uh, got announced on monday morning well to be fair there's no real surprises here <clears throat> sorry got a little bit of a cold uh miguel ibarra 
is the name that I think, you know, obviously people were talking about last week, the NASL star for Minnesota United. Uh, there were still some questions about would he make the team, would he not make the team. He has made the team. Jurgen Klinsmann sending a bit of a message that he will leave no stone unturned, whether it's college, whether it's NASL. He will go anywhere he needs to go to find some talent. So I think that's a great step. I think that's a great uh, – it sends a great message that uh, to players on all levels that, you know, if you play well enough, if you keep developing your game, there's hope for you uh, to potentially get a national team look. And I'm interested to see Ibarra. You know, he's a quick player. He's got some pace. He can play on the flank. Uh, a very skilled player. Uh, you know, if you see him and Christian Ramirez, they're kind of like the, the Batman and – I guess it's Batman and Superman uh, of Minnesota United – and, uh, you know, if you ever get a chance to see them, you can watch them online. Or if you're in the Minnesota area, uh, you want to check them out. They've got – look, NASL is quality. Uh, people need to realize that they're, they're spending more money. They're, they're, they're bringing in more talent. So the level of play in NASL is growing. The league is growing. So I think this is, is a great ad, ad advertisement uh, for NASL. Mm-hmm. Um, and then looking at the rest of the roster, uh, first it should be noted, a 21-man roster has been announced – uh, but there will be changes. Uh, basically, after this first game, they will they will they will make a handful of changes and bring in some players and send some players back to their teams. Uh, you know, obviously, Landon Donovan's just going to play in this one game, his send off. Uh, and and I'm still I'm still questioning whether or not uh, Jurgen Klinsmann actually shows up for this one. I think maybe he'll get a cold <laughs> or, or the day of the game and, and sit it up. Just kidding. Um, but I'm, I'm curious to see who, who are the players that come in for the second game. Uh, I, I, you know, when you look at some of the players missing, uh, Clint Dempsey, Michael Bradley, uh, Matt Beasler, Fabian Johnson, obviously with MLS. One of the big questions we had going into this game was how is he going to handle the players who's, who have very important playoff games or, or very important games with playoff implications? Obviously, Michael Bradley and TFC, have, they have very huge games coming up. So I, I never saw Bradley being a part of this team, which is why – my initial reaction to Klinsman's comments about bringing the strongest team yeah, the possible. A, the A team. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we, it was that was never the case. It was no. never the case. It was never gonna be the case. It was more Klinsman spin, and now we see what it is. And look, no, no one can no one can begrudge Klinsman for having to work around uh, certain situations. But then don't 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 talk about bringing the A team. Don't talk about bringing the best team. Like don't even say it. Like leave, cut it out with the spin. The next World Cup is three and a half years away. Give it a rest. Just just be straight up. Just be straight up and and and, and tell us. Okay, look, I'm I'm looking at some young guys. Uh, I'm looking at some some players. You know, he's got Tim Ream in there. Tim Ream, mm-hmm. uh, who I, who I want to see. A, you know, I think people would like to see more of. You got Alfredo Morales, Bobby Woods back in the young uh, 1860 forward. Joe Jow, uh, got a Joe Jow game against Czech Republic. Joe Jow, who had a who had a good first 60 and uh, showed some real promise in, in in the Czech game. I agree. <clears throat> so it, I like the I like the roster. I like the roster. Uh, I, I am curious to see who he brings in for this second game. Oh, who could that be? I mean, some younger guys in Major League Soccer. I, mean, I, I know I'm it's all speculation, but I mean, can we see like Zardis ship? I mean, or is that too extreme? Ah, no. You know, I don't know. I think there's European guys that he could look at. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, for one thing, I'd say this: like people who are up in arms about Zardis not being on a team, like settle down, people. <laughs> like, th- like he's young. Leave him with his team. He, uh, you know, he's gonna get his chance, right? He will get a look at a certain point. 
Um, but they, you know, the, these teams, these MLS teams, the ones that are in the playoff uh, race or already in the playoffs, like they have, they have more important things to do. Um, LA already has Donovan and Omar Gonzalez in this game. I don't, I don't, you know, anyone expecting Zardes to 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 also join in? I mean, you know, if if he doesn't, I mean, it's not the end of the world, folks. It's not. There's no World Cup in November. Uh, the t- he'll have his chance. Jesse Zardes will have his chance, uh, and maybe we will see some younger uh, some younger MLS guys uh, called in for the the Honduras match. And I'm sure as the week goes on, Ivis, we'll, we'll get a little more clarity on on the roster and you know possibility of, of some guys coming up because there always seems to be a club or two that will accidentally leak a player's name coming up. And look, we, we you and I will do a show later this week where you and I can predict the roster. That first game for the U.S. team is uh, against Ecuador. That match is going to be on Friday in Connecticut. I'm assuming that you're going to that match, correct, Ivis? I will be there. I'm actually heading up to Boston uh, tomorrow on Tuesday. For U.S. camp, They're, the team's actually in Boston, and I'll be there for a couple of days before heading down to Connecticut for the game. But yeah, I will be in Connecticut for the Ecuador match, and then on Saturday, I'll be at Red Bull Arena for Toronto FC Red Bulls, uh, to, to the latest installment of that soap opera. And then it's off to Florida on Sunday for USA Ecuador. Uh, well, the one thing you'll be doing on Friday, though, is covering Landon Donovan's final U.S. men's national team appearance. Lots of chatter uh, between him and his relationship with Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, there was an article that did come out this week uh, that, that talked about Donovan's relationship with Klinsmann. And you know, in there, Donovan said that he had not talked to Klinsmann about this game and that he had not received an apology from Klinsmann's son, Jonathan, who did the ha-ha-ha tweet. I can't remember everything that was said, but I'm pretty sure everyone remembers at this point. Uh, I mean, obviously, it just goes to show that, I mean, it's unfortunate for what it is, but it's just, it's it's... I don't know, man. I don't know what the right words are for for the poor relationship between Landon Donovan and Jurgen Klinsmann, especially when Landon Donovan, you know, is is you know close to so many people's hearts who have followed the U.S. team for the last you know ten fifteen years. Well, okay, settle down with the emotional <laughs> close to so, <laughs> close to so many people's it, hearts. It is. Like, Come oh, on, I'm, I'm starting it, man. It's the final game, man. We got five days. I, I got to start building it up. Come on, the final countdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, look. Okay. A lot of U.S. fans love Landon. A lot of U.S. fans love Landon Donovan. Rightfully so. He's had an amazing career. He's meant a lot to the U.S. program. But no, not everybody loves Landon Donovan. And Jurgen Klinsmann doesn't love Landon Donovan, and it's vice versa. The feeling is mutual. Sometimes relationships go south, and and I think if anything, it's it, it's good to see the, the 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 charade be put to rest. Right? It's pretty clear now. The re- I mean, obviously, everyone knew, everyone had a sense of what was going on when he, when Glenn Donovan didn't make the World Cup team, right? I mean, at that point, it was between that and the John Klinsman tweet and all the speculation about, about the, the all the conspiracy theories. What we know now is, and this is Landon Donovan. Uh, I, I guess uh, Jeremy Schapp interviewed him. Uh, ESPN's Jeremy Schapp interviewed him and asked him, "What's your relationship with with Klinsman now?" And he said, "I have no relationship." So. They have no. They're not. There's nothing to be said. They've they've burned their bridges. They 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 don't get along. They don't like each other, and that's fine. Everyone doesn't have to like everyone. Uh, it, it, it's just that's what it's become. And I know some people will say, well, it was really wrong of Klinsman if he left him off because of because of a personal issue. And then, you know what? There's something to be said for that. Absolutely. If if it was per, if it was because of a personal issue and not because of actual performance, then you have to ask yourself, well, you know, did Klinsman do right by his team in that regard? But only Klinsman knows the reality. Only Klinsman knows 
if he if he completely left him off because he didn't think he fit, or if he completely left him off because he, he doesn't like him. So only he he's he's gonna have to you know write a memoir at some point, and maybe he'll let us know. Uh, but look, th- this game it's gonna be awkward, man. It's gonna be awkward. Are they gonna shake hands? Are they gonna avoid each other? You know, is my longstanding theory that Klinsman's not going to show up to the game? Is that going to happen? Probably not. He'll show up. I'm sure he will. I'm sure Klinsman will will show up. He will be there. He will be there. He'll have a smile on his face. He and Landon will hug and kiss. You know, they'll it'll be they'll put on the show, even though everyone knows already that the two don't get along. Yeah, it's. I agree with you. It's look, Landon Donovan's going to score a hat trick in this game, anyways. So I mean, Klinsman's going to have to hug him at that point. Well, I think honestly, I think he's only going to play like twenty minutes. And well, I, he'll I'm get sure... a hat trick in twenty minutes. I mean, like his like his all star appearance. Well, he only got one goal in that game, and I think he'll get a goal. I think he'll get a goal or something great, uh, some moment like that that will be a good send off for him. And uh, I do think it's, it's something that should be noted. Uh, American Outlaws are apparently preparing a very, very, very big uh, send off tifo to Landon Donovan. So. You're going to want to keep an eye out for that. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a really huge project that they're putting together, uh, and it, and it's deser- you know he deserves it. You know you, you mm-hmm. can't qu- you can't question the career that he's had um, for the national team. So uh, looking forward to seeing that last moment. And and you know as much as Klinsman may not like him, and as much as Klinsman may not get along with him, the sense you get is a lot of players do like him, a lot of players do respect him, and and I think it's going to be a good moment uh, for some of those players that are going to be in 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 camp with him. It's shifting away from U.S. men's national team. Obviously, you and I will talk about that later this week. We do our roster projection and uh, scores and, and everything that we do for the U.S. Moving down to NASL, New York Cosmos. I was in discussions with bringing in former Real Madrid legend Raul uh, to the 2015 season. Not for this fall season, but for next season, which would start in the spring for the New York Cosmos. Any truth to these rumors that they're having? Oh, uh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> you can't call it rumors when it gets to the point where he's actually attending uh, an NASL game. He was at the Cosmos uh, Indianapolis game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, it, it's <clears throat> basically everything that I've heard is that they are in conversations. It's not it doesn't sound like it's done yet. But, you know, the, the it just shows you the Cosmos, are, you know, they, they're they're not done trying to make big moves and, and trying to move the needle there. And obviously, you know, this year they haven't exactly run away with things. I mean, I think they're still on course probably to make the playoffs and, and maybe they'll repeat as uh, champions, soccer bowl champions in NASL. But uh, uh, I, 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 if they sign Raul, that's a, that's a big one. That's a big one. Obviously, when they signed Marco Senna, uh, you know, that was an impressive move at that time. But even the, but if you go and sign a guy like Raul, I mean, that's a huge, huge step, step up there. And uh, it just shows you that the Cosmos are not, you know, they're not messing around. They, they, their ownership group is uh, is committed long term to, to really investing in the project and making it making it work. And earlier this week, U.S. Soccer named the U23 men's national team roster for an upcoming friendly against Brazil's U23 team that will be played later this month. Why is this important, Ivis? Because this is the age group that will be competing for the U.S. to get back into the Olympics. Todd Ramos, Todd Ramos called up the roster. What did you make of the players that were called in, in, in by him? Well, it's a it's a good group, you know. You, you have some of the guys who are who are part of the senior team's camp, uh, senior team game against the Czechs. You have Emerson Hyman from Fulham. Uh, you've got Rubio Rubin, who's coming off of uh, just having had a pretty big game uh, for FC Utrecht this past weekend. He had a couple of assists. 
so I, I think, and you see, you have Jordan Morris, the uh, the Stanford University forward, who who who, who uh, made headlines when he actually got called up to the senior team. Uh, so it's good to see some of those guys, and obviously there's some MLS players as well, some rookies who 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 you know have shown well. Whether it's Eric Miller, uh, Marlon Hairston, someone who I, I think is mm-hmm. really impressed, really impressed for Colorado. So uh, it's a good group. It's a good group, and uh, you know obviously there's some interesting names in there as well. You have a a young defender, Cameron Carter Vickers, who's a, uh, a Tottenham youth product who's uh, born in England. Looks like he's another dual national, uh, someone the U.S. is trying to lock up uh, at a young age. Uh, so that that's a good one. And I think it's good to see Will Packwood in as well, someone who you know only recently worked his way back up to the senior team at Birmingham City and who's someone who I think is going to be a big part of this U23 group, this world, uh, the, if this team does make it to the Olympics, I think he'll be a, a defender on that team, a potential starting center back for that team. So uh, it's a good group. It's a talented group. And I got to tell you, I wish I, I kind of wish I was going to Brazil. Uh, they're going to be in Brasilia for a while. Uh, I actually spent quite a bit of time in Brasilia uh, during the World Cup. I, I've, uh, my grandfather lives there. I've got family there. So uh, it's a pretty cool city. So uh, I don't know, man. I might have to consider j- flying down there for a couple of days. Why not, man? You should just do it. Yeah, nah, I just went. I don't know. I, I, listen, if they were in, if they were playing in Rio, I would absolutely have to think about. It. I, would, I think I, would, I think that I would have already booked my ticket if they were playing in Rio. And before we wrap up the show, we have the SBI Q and A. Remember, everyone, you can always ask questions on Twitter using hashtag SBI Show, and they'll always have to be about soccer. You can ask Ivis literally anything. Please ask him anything, and he will answer. Actually, I asked Ivis the questions, so. Submit anything, and I'll ask that. I'll ask Ivis, and he has to answer it. Uh, first question <laughs> comes from uh, Brian Weigel. Have you heard any rumors about the future coach at Fulham? Would Bob Bradley be <laughs> Steibeck? <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, no, no, nothing. No rumors yet. I don't think. I don't honestly. Bob Bradley. I don't think he has a realistic chance. As much as I thought, I, I think it would be great if he were given the chance, but. As of right now, I don't think anyone should be holding their breath on that. Having said that, Bob Bradley is seem, does seem to be doing well at Staubach, uh, a club that you know. I, I think people uh, who are expecting him to lead them to a title, I don't think grasp the uh, the situation that Staubach's in in terms of you know the, their size and where they are in relation to that league. And it sounds like he has them in the top half of the table there, which is is a pretty uh, a p- big step for them. So uh, he's doing a good job, but you know Fulham, I think, is a bit of a uh, it's a it's a big job that I think still you know the 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 fact that you haven't really seen American coaches uh, do much in Europe uh, I, I still think that's a bridge too far right now. Hopefully the day will come when you'll see American coaches get those kind of opportunities, but I think it's probably still a little early for that. Uh, also, everyone, before you forget, I know it's Fulham. It's a joke from a previous show, like two episodes ago. <laughs> Uh, Tyler ECU asks, Roger Espinoza is rumored to be open to sporting Kansas City return. Does that spell trouble for Jorge Claros? Well, look, Jorge Claros, I have to say, I, I thought he would do well in Kansas City. I, I've always liked him for Honduras. And, you know, I thought I thought he would come in and, and really settle in and, and really be an uh, impact player for them. But he struggled, you know. He hasn't settled in quite well. Not nearly as as uh, smoothly as uh, his his national team teammate Luis Garrido has settled in in Houston, and you have to wonder, you know, if Sporting Kansas City had had gone and and signed Garrido instead of Claros, 
you know, they maybe they'd be maybe they'd be in first place in the Eastern Conference right now because um, you know Garrido's been amazing for for Houston, uh, while Clados has kind of not been not been that impressive. So if if Casey can get Espinoza, uh, I think they need to go get him. But the big question though is if that's even a possibility is how much do you pay him? And and that's a big question because he he he's obviously made a lot more money uh, over in England. And he's not going to come back for 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 a small number. He, if he's going to come back to MLS, it's going to be it's going to be for a big price. So uh, is it realistic? I, I don't know if I'd hold my breath on that, but I think he he would at this point. I don't think they're going to mind getting rid of Clados if they can get Roger Espinosa back. Uh, JC asks, in honor of Real Salt Lake's defeat to Chivas USA, what is one of your most humiliating moments that happened in public? I'm going to let you answer your – I'm going to give you – you, you can, I don't really – I have to think of one, but you go ahead and you give your answer. I had to think of one too. I thought you had one off the top of your head. No, not really. I mean, I, 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 I'd have to think about it. I, I don't uh, – I don't know. That's a good one. I don't know. I think, I, I think when I was in high – I think when I was younger, like in my teens, maybe I fell in the street or something. Like walking, you know, like you, cr- you walk and you kind of trip over your feet or something. Uh, but no, I don't know. That's a, that's a, hmm. I can't think, I mean, I I, I got to pants one time in high school in front of like everyone. Nah. I mean, that, I remember that being bad at that, at that time in my life, but I mean, now I'd just be like, all right, well, take a look, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love your delayed laugh on that one. Thank you for <laughs> Take a look. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I got to think about that one, man. I, I, if something comes to me uh, later, uh, we'll answer a few questions, but I'll try to think of one. I, I, nothing really stands out for me, man, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> we'll, yeah. look, we'll, we'll table this one. We'll think about it. Uh, next question comes from the boss. Look, at we have Bruce Springsteen asking us questions. Uh, should Josie Altador ask for a transfer from Sunderland during the winter window? Who replaces Landon Donovan at LA Galaxy? I don't think Josie's going anywhere. Um, and, you know, Even if Sunderland wanted to sell him, uh, I don't know what his I don't know what the market is for him right now, especially in the winter window. Uh, this you know, teams don't make as many moves in the winter transfer window, and and uh, I'm not sure anyone's going to rush to spend the kind of money that it would take for Sunderland to move him. Even though right now, last couple of games he hasn't gotten minutes, so I definitely people are people have total justification to be a little panicked now that he's had a couple of games where he hasn't played. And when you look at guys like Stephen Fletcher. Uh, you know, someone like Stephen Fletcher who's starting to score goals again, and obviously Connor Wickham is the man there. He's the starter now. Uh, so there's quite a few guys ahead of ahead of of, of uh, Altidore, so it's that much tougher for him. Um, but I don't think he's going to move. I think he's going to stick it out this whole year, and then uh, and then we'll see uh, at the end of that that season, you know, what's next for him. But I don't I don't see him moving in the winter. Uh, Nihal asks, will any players be added after the weekend? Um, oh, for the national team, yes, absolutely. Yes, for the players national team, yeah, no, yeah. I mean, the teams they've already announced that that's going to be that's going to be something that happens. So, I, I think Klinsman's going to work around certain players, U.S. players, certain MLS-based players, uh, and maybe bring them in after they play over the weekend. So, I think, yeah, I think we'll see some MLS players come in. Uh, will we see guys like Zardis, Trap, Harrison, Ship? Uh, that I'm not so sure about. Um, so, yeah, and oh, by the way, we're. Back, I'm going to go back now. The, the whole, you know, most embarrassed bit in public thing. Um, uh, of course, I have, my kids have to be involved in this. Uh, so, and it, it happened on more than one occasion, you know. Now, kids, they, you know, the, the whole saying, kids say the darndest things. Well, I can recall on, on more than one, on at least two occasions where my my uh, my oldest son, when he was younger, when he was like four, 
three, four, five, four, probably four or five around that range, where he, you know, say I'd be in the car and, and he's in the back seat, and uh, whether it's been a toll booth or, uh, you know, pulling up at a drive through uh, at, a, at, a, at a fast food restaurant, and, and you know, the person that's the, the, the cashier or the toll taker has been uh, someone who, who, who is hard to identify as a male or a female. So, you know, kids, kids aren't, kids don't realize what they say sometimes. So I definitely can recall at least twice where, where my oldest son has, has, has said out loud, daddy, is that a boy or a girl? (laughs) And there are a few things like more embarrassing and you feel embarrassed for the person because you're like, uh, sorry, (laughs) like he's only four. Like what? So yeah, that for me, uh, as a dad, uh, just thinking more recently, uh, those moments are pretty, pretty embarrassing. That's pretty bad. Because uh... <laughs> what do you say? What do you say? Like, uh, he said it, not me? Like, I, I can't. <laughs> Your son, you say, I don't know either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's what you want to say. But then you're like, oh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Chad Moon. Did you said tears when Omar and brother Mazoon executed Stringer <laughs> Bell? I'm asking for a friend. You said it right in the war in the in the prep for this question. Is it Mozoon or Mozoni? Are you play, It's Muzon. Muzon. I don't. I don't watch The Wire. I mean, what do you want? But from you me? said it right twice. Look, look, look. There's, there's we things. Recorded. There's things I do well, Ivis. There's things I don't do well. I mean, you should know it at this point. That's not that, even a Latino I, voice. I can't that's, even pronounce words correctly. <laughs> Anything that has a Z in it. <laughs> Oh my god! What do, you All right, from, what do you want from me? I grew up in a cul-de-sac <laughs> in Scottsdale. I'm not exposed to like you know, I'm exposed to like you know, like Richard and George and you know, William. How, I just don't get how you live in Arizona, <laughs> but you can't pronounce anything else that has a Z in it. That's just funny to me. I don't, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. Just answer the question, Chad. Chad is dying to know your response here. Okay, first of all, thanks for the wire spoiler. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The show's been over for I don't even know how many years now. Uh, too long, if you ask me. But uh, no, I did not shed any tears uh, uh, over Stringer Bell being executed. Uh, I think that went, it, it happened when it needed to happen. Uh, so no. And if anything, that question makes me want to go back and start watching uh, watching The Wire again. It's been a, I think, I feel like it's been a year since I watched. I usually watch it from beginning to end, all five seasons. So I think it's time for another uh, Wire Marathon. Uh, Jay Angel asks, we have American Abroad updates. Can we get an update on our brethren from North America? He's talking about Mexicans and Canadian players. Uh, sorry, but uh, Jay, Jay Angel. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the mad power uh, is an issue with that. You know, you got to find people to, to put that together. And is it worth the demand? Um, unfortunately, that's not... Uh, that's not something we could pull off uh, realistically. You have other sites for that. I, I, there are a few. When it comes to actually both of those, when you want to talk about Mexicans abroad or Canadians abroad, uh, there there are fine websites that already do both of those, and uh, I don't think it'd be too hard to find them. Just Google. Uh, next question comes from Caro. When am I supposed to make a Bradley in defense? Is Toronto FC that much of a mess? <laughs> well, you know what. You're paying him $6 million, play him wherever you need to play him, right? I mean, the guy, you'd like to think he can play center back if you need him to. So uh, I don't think that's a permanent thing. I think, you know, I, I think he'll be a midfielder. I think he's going to be a midfielder long term. But obviously in, in extreme situations when you have to make some moves, then, 
you know, if you have to do that, do that. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about a, a permanent position change for Michael Bradley. Uh, in the final question of the SBI Q&A, who is the better tagging duo, Dempsey and Martins or Donovan and Keane? Mm, this is fighting words. This is fighting words right here. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Keen Donovan. I'm gonna go. Keen Donovan. What? It's that, close. That's dumb. That's dumb. It's not absolutely not. I think. I think. I'll tell you what. I'll put it like this. If, if, when you want to talk about what they can do together and just in in the in the between the two of them, I think I think you might give Dempsey and Martin's the edge because that you really get a sense that they have a great understanding between the two of them. But when you want to talk about the two. Working together and making those around them better. I, I think Keenan Donovan. I think when Keenan Donovan, Keenan Donovan are rolling, I think they just make the entire attack dangerous. And and both both tandems do that. But I just I, I don't know, man. I just think I, I think the LA tandem, the LA tandem has done it against good teams and bad teams uh, pretty consistently. Uh, I think the Seattle the Seattle tandem uh, has really uh, just looking at the stats because I do, I did a lot of de- digging on stats for my MVP column. And just looking at some of the stats, I mean, I think L.A.'s, just to give you an idea, the production of Donovan and Keene against against playoff teams uh, is much better than than uh, than Dempsey and, and Martin's production against playoff teams. So, Dad, just if you want to talk about a little edge there, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Keen Donovan. All right. Well, I would go with Dempsey Martin's, but. Well, they're, are they to more fun to watch? They, are yes, they more way f- more fun to watch. Well, that's, that, that's, that's, that's all that matters, I need That's to be a different question. That's a different question. So, you know, yeah, if you want to talk about who's going to ha- probably give you more highlight reel material, oh, absolutely. I mean, Clint Dempsey's little back heel shimmy no-look pass on the goal this weekend is a sweet move. You know, it, it was a little unnecessary, but it, it was a nice move. But uh, if you want to talk about guys who are just going to just crank out the goals and assists, uh, I got it. You got to go. And you know what? The best part about this question is they're going to play each other probably four times now in the next uh, five weeks between the two games at the end of the season and the inevitable meeting in the Western Conference final because no offense to RSL, no offense to FC Dallas, no offense to Vancouver or Portland, but I, I think it's inevitable, man. I, th- I think everyone can start booking their, making their plans now to, to head out west for Seattle, LA, because that is going to be. One hell of a playoff series, if it happens. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, well, Ivis, man, that wraps up today's SBI show. Anything else we need to converse before uh, I let you go? Nah, man, that's good. It's, uh, you know, we're kicking off the Monday. We got the show, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a busy week. So uh, I'll be hitting the road again, and uh, hopefully we'll have plenty of national team stuff to talk about. And hopefully yeah. we can have a show at the end of the week, and we don't have any more of these uh, hiccups. Well, I mean, we on the road. I mean, when you're on the road, it's tough, you know? Nah, I know, I know. We're not, but we're gonna do. We're gonna do a Thursday show. That that's the goal, or or show for Friday. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, I was, I'm gonna let you enjoy your Monday, man. I think you need a nap after your long night. So uh, I don't. I don't want to keep you from your nap, man. <laughs> I, you know, I wish I could take a nap, but uh, there's a lot to get to. All right. Well, I was enjoy the week, man. Enjoy all the U.S. Men's National Team coverage, and I'll, and I'll talk with you later. All right, man. And as always, everyone, thank you for the show. Also, throw us a review on iTunes. We haven't gotten one in, I don't know, probably 30 years. So please throw us another review on iTunes. We, and as always, we appreciate your comments on soccerbyivis.net. Uh, for Ivis and for myself, Garrett, we will be back again later this week. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>